Sarah Spreming, and this is Cop Dog Radio, a place where I will share my stories, cases, and considerations when it comes to all things dog sports and dog training. I hope you enjoy it. I sat down to record today about training, specifically about the concept of uh, reinforcing absence of behavior as opposed to behavior itself. And I still think that that's interesting, so I'll probably say a couple of things about that um, at the end. But I'm recording this on October 2nd, uh, 2017, and this is just a rough day. Um, the Las Vegas shooting, uh, the Mandalay Bay shooting is really just all over um, social media, all over the internet. It's the first thing I woke up to. That and a message from a friend saying, probably just go to the woods and don't look at Facebook today. <laughs> um, she's smart. That's what I should have done. But... I had to work, so I was looking at social media anyway, and now um, the news is that Tom Petty has died, um, and just basically all kinds of bad stuff. I got a message from a friend whose dog, um, or a friend who's a friend of hers, um, her dog was just euthanized because of some complications going on. Uh, young dog and she had just lost another young dog and basically I'm feeling uh, really overwhelmed with badness today and so I'm going to podcast about a little bit something different than what I usually do because that's just kind of what I'm feeling compelled to do because we are in times right now where sometimes badness really takes over and it infiltrates our social media and um, it might even creep into what we're doing with our dogs. I know that I have a really hard time drawing a hard line between what's going on in my life and what's going on in my dog training. Dog training is an applied science. It should be treated as such. It shouldn't be wrought with so many emotions, but when we live with and love the animals that we're training, it inevitably becomes wrought with emotion. And we can no longer say, you know, I had a really terrible day, but I'm going to pack up the dogs and go to class anyway and put on a smile and completely... um, shut out all the bad stuff and give everything to my dog. If you can do that, it's an acquired skill. And it is a skill that I recommend um, acquiring. I learned a couple of days ago of the very untimely death of a high school friend of mine um, and was at a trial all weekend. And I literally decided not to process her death until the trial was finished. That's something I've had to train myself to do. It's not something I can always do. But I trained myself to do it when I was going through some really serious health stuff of my own a few years ago. And I was also having the most competitive um, year of my life in dog agility. So I was 
experienced some some really extreme highs and lows and kind of trained myself to compartmentalize um, life and training and competing. And so I'm able to do that much of the time. But there's this thing we call trigger stacking. And trigger stacking is important in dogs. I think we all kind of know that if we work in behavior. It basically means that you know your dog might be able to tolerate um, a screaming toddler. And separately, your dog might be able to tolerate a thunderstorm. And, you know, separately from that, your dog might be able to tolerate trick-or-treaters coming to the door. But if you've got a thunderstorm and a screaming toddler and trick-or-treaters coming to the door, we now have trigger stacking going on and you might see more extreme behaviors from your dog in that scenario. Um, You know, that's a case where you might want to go ahead and put your dog in a crate with a raw bone and have your dog not have to deal with all of those triggers especially probably to keep those trick-or-treaters and that screaming toddler safe from your dog. Um, We deal with this too. Trigger stacking is very real. I'm definitely experiencing it right now. I'm processing uh, the death of a friend. I am obviously was not personally close to Mr. Tom Petty, (laughs) but I love Tom Petty. I love his music. And um, so I'm feeling that loss too and the shooting in las vegas every single time there is a mass shooting in my country which seems to be about every five seconds these days um it hurts all of us i think in indescribable ways even if we are not personally related to anybody affected mandalay bay is definitely a place that i've been stayed enjoyed um I love going to Vegas with my sisters, and so I'm feeling it. So I'm experiencing some trigger stacking here. We've got badness from left and right, and so while I might be able to tend to my clients, uh, go through my emails, take care of all of my animals, um, you know, do my laundry, make dinner, all the basic human stuff uh, that I might have to do, I am very much feeling like if one more bad thing happens, I'm not going to be able to take it. And so is it smart for me to train my dogs? I think that that's a personal question for me. um, I have learned that with this much trigger stacking, the smarter thing for me to do is to go on a long walk with my dogs. The smarter thing for me to do is to stuff Kongs to give them puzzle toys, to take care of them in other ways. Because while I love training and I tend to have successful training sessions, most of my training sessions do go well. They're usually well planned out. Uh, My dogs and I have a nice working relationship. They tend to go really nicely. Um, And so, but if I did train and something did go wrong, it might affect me more today than it would have, you know, five days ago when I had, you know, a little bit of a frustrating session five days ago um, on a newer project. And so that was kind of hard, but I was able to just kind of put the kibosh on it, move on, do something else, and it was fine. Today, I might have a hard time doing that. So I'm not, if I do choose to train, I'm not going to do any of those projects that are 
you know, potentially frustrating for me today. If I were enrolled in a training class right now that was happening tonight, I'm not, but let's say I was, I'm going to tell you right now I wouldn't go. Tonight I would not go. Um, because it's not just about trigger stacking. Sometimes it's about being able to bring 100% to the table. I expect 100% from my dogs. I work very hard on basically only uh, providing reinforcement for 100% types of behaviors. I want 100% of your effort. Um, But there's the other side of that deal that I've struck with them, which is that I have to give them 100% of my effort too. So I have to always say to them, you know, I expect you to be here with me trying and you can expect me to be here with you trying as well. Um... I got to say, the last couple of runs I ran at the trial yesterday with Iggy, things were really, my trigger stacking was really starting to happen. And we we did okay. But I'm going to say that I didn't give 100% on either of my last two runs. I had given 100% for all of the runs leading up to those um, over the weekend. But that's later Sunday afternoon jumpers courses. Um, I didn't quite give 100%. And I'm I'm sorry for that because Iggy deserves 100%. But I also know that, you know, she's almost nine. We've been together that whole time. We really get each other. Sometimes she can't give 100% for whatever reason. And sometimes I can't for whatever reason. And we work well together. If those runs had been Felix's, who's a brand new baby dog. He's just two years old. Um, he just had his first AKC trial this weekend and he did fantastic. His runs were in the morning every day. He was entered in novice jumpers and novice fast. Um, and he did both of those runs almost back to back early in the morning, um, all three days. And he had a late afternoon run on this on Sunday with all of this stuff that I've got going on. I may have scratched him and it would have hurt me to do that. I'm really excited about running him. I'm really having a wonderful time running him. But I got to give him everything right now. He is learning what he can expect from me in the ring. And each time we step to the line, he's learning um, more and more about that, more and more about what happens between us in the competition ring uh, where there are no you know, primary reinforcers present. And what I want him to learn about that is that I will be there for him. I will show him what to do. I will totally drive the car. He does not need to worry about anything. And I have everything under control. Um, and that means really stepping up to the plate and being the handler that he needs me to be. And so luckily his runs were in the morning all weekend. And I really did still have enough to give him at that time. Um... And I hadn't learned of my friend's passing. I, th- I think I found out about it um, either Friday or Saturday evening. So I was definitely, it was in the back of my head yesterday, Sunday um, at the trial. But like I said, I had compartmentalized it. Um, I wasn't dealing with it um, at the time on purpose. So it was just kind of anytime it would come to my mind, I would 
look at it, pay attention to it for a second, and then move to the next um, stage. And that's really taken a lot of kind of mental training on my part to be able to do. Um, I don't have a lot of tips on that other than find a good therapist (laughs) that can help you um, to be able to compartmentalize so that when you are a highly sensitive person, as I am, you can compartmentalize the things that you feel really raw about so that you can still kind of focus on your life. And it's not about not feeling those things. It's not about not examining those things. It's about putting them somewhere, kind of just putting a pin in them and setting them aside so that you can deal with what's in front of you and then move on to deal with those things later and process those things later because just constantly pushing them aside will not work. They will overtake you at some point. Um, so back to dog training a little bit. Um, I do think it's really wise for all of us to just kind of check ourselves before we start training. Um, I am also a person that deals with chronic pain. And so if I'm having a high pain day, again, I might not want to be doing the running dog walk project that's a little bit hard and requires a lot from me physically and mentally. You know, I might want to just work on some silly tricks that don't that don't matter a whole lot. Um, and I want to spend more time on the planning end so that I have to do less thinking on my feet. So think about that stuff. Um, and just, I think the world is really heavy with just a lot of garbage right now. So if you're feeling it like I'm feeling it, you know, just take care of each other. Go on a walk with your dogs. Stuff some Kongs. Some people are irritated by Kong stuffing. I find it very soothing. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just know that the world will not end if you put aside training today because your trigger stacking is, you know, becoming something that might actually interfere with what's going on. So aside from that, I'll just go ahead and dive in and talk a little bit about what I wanted to talk about today, um, but probably not get too in-depth on it. Um, You guys know where to find me if you have questions about it from here, and I'm happy to talk about it further, but basically there's this concept in behavior modification of reinforcing the absence of the problem behavior. So I'm just going to take a dog barking and lunging at other dogs on leash, uh, sometimes called leash reactivity. As an example, people will kind of wait for the dog to stop reacting and then they'll click and treat. Um, or just anytime the dog's not reacting, they're they're feeding the dog. So they're just reinforcing. And they say that they're reinforcing lack of reactivity or absence of reactivity. And that's a misnomer. Um, you are not ever reinforcing absence of behavior. That's technically inaccurate. You, you'd be reinforcing behavior itself always, never absence of behavior. It's impossible to reinforce nothing because reinforcement's defined by its function and it functionally builds behavior, which means that you're never reinforcing nothing. Um, and so I think it's important for us all to pay attention to what are we actually reinforcing then. So if we're trying to reinforce absence of reactivity, for instance, um, know that it is smarter for us to identify 
a behavior or perhaps um, a small group of behaviors that are all not reactivity but are easily defined by us. So perhaps eye contact with the person, perhaps um, looking at the other dog with a calm uh, mouth or let's say a closed mouth. Um, So I would say I'm going to click if the dog is panting or has a closed mouth. I'm going to click those behaviors. Um, Or I'm going to click when the dog's eyes land on me, when I see the dog's eyes um, look towards me. Giving yourself or perhaps your client clear behaviors to pick and reinforce will help the teacher to help the learner move towards behaviors that we want to be seeing. So as opposed to pay the dog when they're not XYZ, pay the dog for not barking, pay the dog for not lunging. Um, Let's say pay the dog for panting. Pay the dog for closed mouth. Pay the dog for eye contact. Pay the dog for sitting. Um, In the same sense, if you've got a dog that barks at the window when people walk by, you know, some trainers will talk about, you know, click them for quiet. Well, quiet implies lack of barking. It implies absence of vocalization. So instead, how about we click for looking, click for sitting on a mat, click for looking at the person. Um, If we identify actual behaviors to mark and reinforce, we will get much further, much faster. And if those behaviors um, can be made functionally reinforcing, so meaning if those behaviors can earn the dog what the the intended consequence was, of the problem behavior, they're gonna work better for you too. So let's say that the dog's barking and lunging in order to seek distance from a strange dog on the trail, then giving the dog distance for panting, closed mouth, eye contact, one of those behaviors when they see another dog can turn out to be a really, really nice way for you to maintain that behavior. So anytime you're thinking I'm going to click the absence of behavior, I want you to think, um, but what are the actual behaviors then that are going to be reinforced? Because you will be identifying behaviors. And if you get really consistent about which behaviors, which you will not be if you're only trying to click absence of, you're going to move much farther, much faster. Um So thanks for joining me for this short podcast today, you guys, and take care of each other. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you've got questions or suggestions, you can shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next time.